Welcome to 52 Episodes to Science Fiction Film Literacy. My name is Chris Garcia. Roll sound. I can talk a lot about the history of computer graphics in film. And when I originally made this list, I didn't have this film on. And then I realized to talk about several of the films that are upcoming, I have to. And the film is Westworld, which was Michael Crichton's directorial debut. And a lot of people sort of forget that Michael Crichton was also a director. He directed five or six films, I think. I think I'll be talking about two of them total. But he's best known for his science fiction writing. As a writer, he is a master of plot. But there's not a lot of depth there. What's surprising is that Westworld does have a lot of depth. But it's really telling a single story. A story of an amusement park that is android-based, which is recreating times in the past. There's medieval world, Roman world, and Westworld. Recreating the medieval times, the Roman times, and the Old West. And eventually what happens, of course, is that the androids run amok. They malfunction, and... One of them, the gunslinger, played by Yul Brenner, goes hunting our two intrepid stars. Simple, right? It's interesting to sort of think about this film in the context of the time. And America had three waves of amusement parks. This may seem to be getting away from science fiction, but stay with me. In Starting in basically the 1890s, up through about the 1920s, probably even ending just before the Depression, was this wave of amusement parks around the country. And sometimes they would be just one ride and a bandstand. A rather famous one around these parts is Shell Mound. Sometimes they would be quite elaborate, dozens of rides. Of course, you had Coney Island in New York. You had the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. All these sort of, and pleasure piers. All these sort of ideas of amusement parks were happening. And, of course, the Depression wiped out tons of them. After World War II, there was another rise. Through the 40s, the 50s, into the 60s. And some would argue into the 70s and 80s, but I sort of see that as maybe not. You saw a lot of them start to close with the real estate booms in the 1970s. But that boom in the 40s, 50s, and 60s gave us Disneyland, Magic Mountain, all of these amusement parks that sort of become iconic. Great America here in the Bay Area uh, came around in 1976, and it's still around, which is kind of surprising to some. And it's in that realm that this film exists. The idea of amusement parks in the 19, early 1900s was it was a place to go and spend the day where not, not necessarily the rides were, but going out, having a picnic, being more, uh, the, of course, the games of chance 
the rides, going for the walk. And it was a family experience. What you had in the 50s and 60s was the beginning of the really thrill ride as the focus for a trip. And Disneyland, of course, kind of bucks that trend because it's more about the integration of an entire story and sensation. The third one I'll just mention, of course, was probably started in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, and continues on till about today, where we're seeing amusement parks that are being developed to take advantage of technologies and properties. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter, for example, uh, very much comes to mind at this. Uh, the World of Warcraft Amusement Park in, J in China. The huge number of amusement parks that are popping up that are uh, VR-based. And those are amusement parks as well. Now, the issue here is that thrill rides are a very limited thing. They are a set prescribed method of movement from one place to another in a thrilling or terrifying method. Now, what we started to see in the 1960s and early 70s was the rise of film as ride, as attraction. And Disneyland capitalized on this with its uh, Circle Vision 360. We had the uh, large format IMAX stuff that started, I believe, in the very early 1970s. And you had sort of these gimmick film projections that would be combined with things like Dark House rides. But that's still a prescribed methodology that people are being inserted to to give them a thrill. Now, what Westworld posits actually comes more out of the traditions of the Renaissance Pleasure Fair, except for removing the idea of people, of actors, and replacing it with androids. And reenacting like that was really started in the 1960s. And there were, of course, things, there were Civil War reenactments dating back, I believe, to 1920 or so. There may have been some even before then, but that was really when we started to see them pop up a lot. Of course, lots and lots of Renaissance reenacting started after the famous party at Dinah Paxson's place. Uh, there had been some things done before then, but really... That sort of event, which I believe was in Berkeley, led to the formation of the Society of Creative Anachronism, which at the same time we started saw the Renaissance Fair starting to pop up. There were also a number of, I guess the best way to put it is, bacchanalias. And part of the counterculture that we were seeing rise in, particularly in the Bay Area, would have these events that are like, that were mimicking in a way, the Roman Bacchanalia. That were uh, at once hedonistic, but also there was a form of theater to them. And this film comes out of those traditions. Whether or not directly is a good question. Michael Crichton was a groovy dude. 
what's really important here is this is the first feature film to use computer graphics inside the story. There may have been a few films that used computer graphics for title sequences. I've heard it said that uh, Saul Bass used one for Psycho. I can neither prove nor disprove, but having recently watched the title credits again, I kind of doubt it, but it could be. Uh, there's, it's an interesting question. But there were certainly other sequences that were done. Computer graphics, of course, came out of study around the world. The UK had a couple of decent centers. The In the US, we had Bell Labs as sort of the, I wouldn't say the initial starting point, but it was certainly the strongest. And we had the rise of places like the University of Utah, which gave us Ed Catmull, among others. We had MIT that was doing important graphics work. And here, it's a pretty simple scene. It gives you this sort of pixelated view of the world as shown through the eyes of Yul Brenner's gunslinger. And it's very smartly done. And I didn't see this until I was in my 20s, probably. I might have seen it when I was a kid on Late Night or something, but it didn't make an impression. But I imagine seeing this at that point would have been incredibly impressive because it was something that we had never experienced before. And even if you look at a lot of the 19... Late 1960s, early 1970s computer graphics that were being done at Bell Labs is a good example. They weren't on this level for the most part. There's a very famous uh, flyover, I believe it's of Princeton? It's either Princeton or Yale of their quad. And it sort of flies through, and it's very advanced. This isn't quite to that level, but it is certainly the first instance where it is obvious that computers are going to transition into pieces within a science fiction context. And it 100% makes sense that most of the computer graphics used in feature films pre-1990, let's say, there's some fudge factor there, but the films before then that use it were almost all science fiction or fantasy. Part of that is because it, it requires a distance. Because at that point, they couldn't do realistic computer graphics. So you had to be in a world that wasn't our own. So doing it through the eyes of the android is brilliant because we are experiencing something that is completely divorced from our reality. Now, on the other hand, when we started to get photorealistic computer graphics, they started to be used in all sorts of things, and they were so ingrained at that point to the idea of science fiction and fantasy, to a lesser degree horror, that a lot of films that would otherwise have been, I don't know, mainstream, suddenly become science fiction and fantasy, just because they thoroughly integrated computer graphics. I don't even want to talk about what it's done to screenwriting. Because computer graphics for screenwriting has made it possible to write any damn thing, and the filmmakers will try to do it, which has taken away a lot of the limitations that required film writers to be more staid and within that sort of limitation to become creative with their storytelling. But that's a whole other podcast.
Westworld is a darn good movie. And there is some camp to it. I actually thought that James Brolin wasn't the right choice for the lead. I understand a lot of people did like what he did, but mm, I wasn't a huge fan, but I see why they, they cast him. Michael Crichton's direction is solid. He is a director who understood how to keep things moving and where and why stories catch. And this is Jurassic Park, let's be honest. Jurassic Park and Westworld are a very, very similar story. And you can't watch one without considering the other. And I think it also shows that Crichton was a better director than Spielberg at times. Because what Crichton did is he managed to keep the story going without going down a lot of the side roads and relying on some gimmicks that replaced storytelling with wonder. Whereas Crichton was storytelling the entire way through. And even the moments where he steps out of the main flow of the story to give us something else, that something else is in service of the whole film, not just of making the audience go, wow. Now, I love this film. I've watched it several times. And I really think that if you understand what Westworld was trying to do, which was give us a view of what happens when you go into a controlled fantasy and the dangers you place yourself in. What can happen? In a way, it is a condemnation of method acting, I guess. <laughs> but it's a, a very powerful film, and it's one that I don't think gets the credit it deserves. Because when most people talk about it, what they talk about is the chilling performance of Yul Brenner, which in fact is chilling. And they talk about the small computer graphics scene. Both of them are significant, but they are both within this story that makes sense and is highly entertaining. 